What is up, fight fans? Welcome back to another episode of the MMA Anomaly Show, No Filter. I am your host, Olin, a.k.a. MMA Anomaly, and this is my co-host, as usual, Jive Turkey Nano. How we let's doing, go, Nano? Let's go. What's up, Olin? Great to see you. Great to be back. Another one in the books, man. What a great episode. What a great day. Another day in paradise, as we like man. to say around here. What a great episode, indeed. This last episode of The Ultimate Fighter was honestly top tier. It was... Uh, Elite. I would... I'm going to say hands down, it's in the top two episodes of the season. Um, I mean, that being said, we're we're not going to spoil or anything right at the beginning of the episode. Uh, what we like to do here, obviously, is we like to kind of wait a couple minutes, go over last weekend's fight card. That way, folks who haven't had a chance to watch the full episode yet in its entirety have a chance to finish the episode and then catch up with us at the end here. So, with that being said, man. UFC Vegas 77, a.k.a. Holly Holm versus Mayra Bueno Silva. Apologies to Mayra Bueno Silva. I had been mispronouncing her name, uh, as as had most of the populace, and saying Myra. Apologies. Apologies. It is apparently Mayra Bueno Silva. So put some respect on her name, uh, and we will definitely go over why. Uh, so <laughs> that being said, my friend Nano. What's up, man? How do you how do you want to run this one? You know I'm I'm free to interpret it any way. Do you want to start at the bottom and work our way to the top? You want to start at the top and work our way down? Talk to me. I mean, we did already start off with uh, Myra or my 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 Myra Myra. Why can't I say it? Myra Myra Myra. I literally uh, put in my notes M Y dash E E E R A Myra Myra. <laughs> it's that that uh, Brazilian H. I got to get that yeah. down. Myra. Uh, we can start there. I mean, I feel like that's a great place to start, right? She earned it. She earned the respect. We got to uh, keep that name on the tip of our tongue because we're going to be hearing it again soon. That's for darn sure. But we Absolutely. can start. I don't know if you want me to run it first or. Uh, yeah, go I, ahead. Run it first. I'll have to jump on in here. Appreciate you, brother. But yeah, I mean, because I mean, I didn't get a chance to do the uh, predictions or really do any precursor for the fights. But again, hey, 10 year gap here between the savvy veteran, the legend in the MMA female community here, Holly Holmes against a young up-and-coming and hungry fighter in bueno silva um i was interested to see this matchup i thought you know how are holly holmes skills gonna pose against someone who is really tough who is a little bit younger but is surging in their career um but man it did feel like right from the jump you know holly holmes and again father times undefeated i think we need to start there uh as talented and as great as she is or even was once you know, in a uh, previous day, just did not see as much explosion, did not feel that she had that killer instinct in her. As much as I saw from a raging Mahita who was r- trying to win every exchange, had a response for everything, uh, whether they were up against the fence, you know, giving some strong uh, strikes from there, some vicious elbows, straight punches, and then stayed defensively sound. Um, did feel like that first round might have been a toss-up. Maybe you can lean Holly Holmes because she was a bit more busy. But it just didn't feel like her strikes were doing as much as Mahita's were. Um, and then she just absolutely stuns Holly, forces her into the clinch, and ends up finishing it. I'm curious to hear your thoughts about the choke. I mean, that's a unique one as, as you'll ever see. But uh curious to hear your thoughts on the fight and if you may have predicted that or not. So uh, I definitely did not predict that she was going to get it done via ninja choke. That's a fact. Um, <laughs> I, you know, as much as I would like to be able to say that something seemed off about Holly Holmes's energy coming into the fight, uh, I can't. You know, unfortunately, she's always had an overly nervous energy 
walking out to the octagon, pacing back and forth before the fight. And, and there's just no chance in hell that that's doing her any favors, folks. Like, that burns a lot of energy. And again, like, right after the fight started, I feel like she was pacing back and forth faster before the fight started than she was utilizing her footwork or her striking with her hands when the fight did start. Her speed simply didn't seem to be there, and um, neither did a very locked-in game plan. I I, I just saw kind of... Uh, Holly Holmes doing Holly Holmes things and thinking that she would be able to get away with it. And she fell trapped to her own her own kind of patterns, right? There was no game plan to implement against Maida, and it showed. Um, the worst thing about this is that it's just another sign of Jackson Wink MMA continuing on their kind of downhill trajectory of coaching. They were once known as one of the greatest MMA training grounds in the world. Rashad Evans, John Jones, that list goes on and on and on. And I mean, Cowboy Cerrone, who just made it into the, the Hall of Fame, like, again, the list goes on, folks. Like, Jackson Week is one of the greatest gyms of old, but it's just that. It's becoming a gym of old. They're not game planning with their fighters the way they used to, and it's simply just going downhill for them. Um, however, Maida Bueno Silva came in ready to do whatever needed to be done in order to penetrate Holly's stance and guard. And she made it a nasty fight when and where she needed to. And just like I said before, she snuck in a very, very nasty ninja choke. Not one that you get to see very often, but one that when you do see it, it's always beautiful. And it's fun, so fun to see um, from just, I mean, whether you're a casual or somebody that does grappling every Saturday, whatever the case may be, you know, like, it's just a fun one to witness. Um, great fight, especially for my era. Uh, what's next for Holly? I I'm really not sure. Um, what's next for Maeda Bueno Silva? I think she deserves the winner of Raquel Pennington versus Juliana Pena. Ooh, throw her right in the mix, huh? I love that. I mean, I, granted she was number 10, but she just beat who? Number two? Number three? I mean, like, yeah, a perennial top three to five person in that division for a long time. You know, a previous champion. I don't think anyone has really given her the benefit of the doubt either. You know, I think, uh, yeah, not a lot of names in front of her. Something's got to give, right? That's the thing. There's not a lot of names in front of her. And, and with what she did to Holly Holm, it's not crazy to think that she could do that to anybody not named Amanda Nunez. Yeah. Yeah, Juliana Pena's there, huh? I mean, Raquel, were there some whispers of that fight going to happen? Of Raquel, Raquel versus Juliana Pena? Yeah. Yeah, that fight is all but scheduled. Um, oh, I think they're working on scheduling that one right now. And I mean, yeah, man, it's. <sighs> well, I mean, if that is the case, you know, then then so be it. Uh, I guess, you know, hey, you got to get a champion in there. That was maybe a little unprecedented. Amanda walking away like that. Uh, but the show must go on. Right. And Juliana, again, she was probably going to get that third fight at Amanda. So makes sense you're gonna, you're gonna throw in there raquel pennington another perennial stud in the division uh but this is a huge win for bueno silva hopefully if they book that relatively soon maybe you sit back and wait otherwise maybe you look at someone who is ranked a little bit below yet at number four a uh, ketlin uh, vieja uh, aka fenomeno um Fenomeno? i mean Fenomeno? that's a fun name to say <laughs> interesting name i wanted to say that one um but coming off a loss against raquel pennington back in january of this year she's going to be looking to bounce back she's going to be hungry both the brazilian fighters maybe you do it out there or somewhere amongst the world here but um, that'd be a fun one love to see it yeah i mean 
honestly, I, I really think that that'd be a fun one. Again, like, how 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 could you ever say that she hasn't earned it? Like, she just literally destroyed Holly Holm. And she made oh. it look pretty easy. Yeah, I said all that just to find out that uh, Fienomeno is fighting uh, ne- Is it this upcoming weekend. Well, sh- that's a spoiler there. Going up against Kianzad. So... TBD, I guess maybe that the winner there might have to dictate who uh, is next for Bueno Silva. Looks like uh, we'll have our like answer soon enough. To, yeah, we'll have our answer soon enough for for Nano's prediction here. Come out. I mean, Kellen Vieira is definitely a fun fun fighter. I'll be honest with you, I don't it's love tough. that matchup for her against Panny yet. I think Panny might beat her. It's Panny <sighs> season, baby. Hey, bring out the red panties. It's red panty night. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you remember Panny yet. She's the one that like can take out her two front teeth. Oh, and okay. Like last okay. fight, she had blood oozing out of her nose, and her like she had her two front teeth out because she was fighting. So legendary takes her mouth guard. She's like missing teeth, has blood <laughs> oozing. She just looked like a like a female hockey player. It was, oh, that's <laughs> it's such phenomenal. a great image, bro. Oh yeah, um, that is great. If you haven't seen it, it's just such a visceral image. And um, if you weren't already a fan of Panny Kinzad, uh, you will be by the time we get to the Thursday episode here in two days. There we go. <laughs> um, so yeah, yeah we'll be breaking I, that one down. Yeah, I think I think that's going to definitely be a fun fight uh, coming up. But yeah, spoiler alert: um, we'll find out who should really be next, if not the winner of Raquel Pennington versus Juliana Pena. Uh, moving into the next fight, since we started at the top, we'll just go right down the line here. Jack Della Maddalena coming in against Basil Hafez, my guy Nano. Lead lead the front. Let me know how you feel, brother. I mean, my first note on here is uh, our boy Basil Hafez. First and foremost, shout out my guy Pat McAfee. But this guy was completely jocked. <laughs> completely jocked. Uh, my gosh. I mean, he reminded me of an old school fighter of the UFC days circa early 2000s, right? He looks he looks like um, Sean the Muscle Shark Shirk, but like a little bit bigger. Dude, <laughs> he looks like a, like a Vin Diesel in a, a Riddick or Triple X or something. Dude looks great throwback. Completely. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, but boy, he has all the skills of a, of a modern day fighter. I'll tell you that much yeah. though. Was not one dimensional whatsoever. Took the fight on five days notice. What an absolute beast. And he looked freaking great out there. I don't think anybody, oh, yeah. even JDM was expecting to be in a firefight like that. And he wasted no time getting after him. Shot from across the ring. Got it. Uh, you saw JDM, you know, freaking out a little bit. You seen him out muscling JDM in multiple positions, um, and those exchanges were fun, weren't they? I mean, obvious fight of the night. Um, JDM was, and I'm Jack Della Maddalena, just like saying JDM for short, a little easier here. Absolutely. Um, rolls off the tongue as <laughs> Rolls you off the tongue. Rolls off the tongue. You know, we're all about our acronyms here, making it easy for us. Um, but again, I thought, man, he looked absolutely great. The exchanges were fun. You saw some really good boxing. You saw some uh, progressively better defensive takedowns in JDM. You know, he was making the adjustments. But boy, I mean, some of those scorecards or, I mean, even the commentary, you had people thinking that Basil Hafez was about to pull off one of the biggest upsets here. Who the fuck is this guy, right? Respectfully. Because, I mean, I had no idea who this guy was. Respectfully. You know, Anthony Smith was on the mic. They're like, oh, this guy's a savage. His his ground game's good. He's getting, he has that kind of Dagestani, like, top pressure where he's just smothering you like biscuits and gravy. You know what I mean? You know I know what exactly what you mean. Honestly, like the the top pressure is what surprised me the most. Um, the again, the top pressure by him was was really really well done, really well executed. But I'm not on board with this this narrative that he won the fight against JDM. 
Um, no, he, he and again, like the control time, you know, the the amount of takedowns, I'd be curious to look at the numbers again. But when I was watching it, my feeling was even though he's getting that when they were exchanging on their feet, which was still a majority of the round. I mean, it was 10, nine borderline 10, eight at times. I mean, the things that Jack Dale and Madeline was able to do to him, ripping the body, going upstairs, head off the center line, ripping them. Everything it looked like he was landing was really hurting Basil. I mean, he's strong. Dude's built like an ox, was able to take it, kept shooting, kept shooting. That's really what kept him in it. But, hey, I mean, if we're looking at the scoring or even just me as a as a fan, I mean, maybe I'm leaning towards the guy that's beating him up on his feet. And then you see the guy almost wrestling in defense. Right. And, and I mean, here's the thing. Like, sorry, sorry to derail your train of thought here, but, you know, I, I'll admit as much as the next guy here, whoever wants to talk to me, come at me, please uh, feel free to come at me in the chat. I agree with you. Good old Jackie three names had his work cut out for him on Saturday night. Okay. However, again, I disagree with the talk of him having lost that fight by any means necessary. Um, That's just ridiculous. The fact of the matter is it was 149 strikes landed on, on the side of JDM to 48 strikes landed by his opponent, Hafez. And come on. Also, Hafez went three for 20 on takedowns. Meanwhile, JDM went one for two. Come on. That's 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 some good reversals in there. Yeah. Not a lot of damage was being done. He had the pressure, but not a lot of ground and pound from um, Bessel. He had good opportunities. He was strong. Jacked is all get out. But he I mean, all those muscles take a lot of gas. And you could see that he was definitely tiring out in that third round. If by some shadow of a doubt you can try and argue with me and say, you know, uh, you know, I'm 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 one of those guys that's weird and I welcome argument, you know, because I believe that chatting with people with different opinions is only going to make us both wiser as long as we're both willing to engage in thoughtful conversation. So please, again, come at me with how you think he won. Maybe you're able to convince me that Hafez somehow won rounds one and two. If that's the fucking case, best case scenario, it's still a draw because round three was a 10-8. Dude was yeah. getting beat up on the feet. Heavy. And the only Heavy. the only detriment or only negative downside that you could actually give, in, in my humble opinion, as far as what JDM did and the game plan he went in with, is that guillotine. Yeah. Go for it once, fine. Go for it twice, fine. Go for it three times, fine. But, dude, like, don't keep going to the well if it's not working. The guy obviously has solid guillotine defense, and you're just gassing your arms at that point. Just beat him up on the feet. That's hilarious you say that. that. was literally the question I had written down for you was, what are your thoughts on that guillotine technique? It was definitely talked about a lot from uh, Dom Cruz and DC, Daniel Cormier. And it's just like, you know, I mean, I get it, you know, but I thought, is that going to tire out his arms? I mean, and he just kept going back to it, you know, and maybe it's it was a defensive. Much. Yeah. It's like, come on. I mean, something's got to give here. I, I, Anthony Smith, again, did mention something about uh, Basel's side control being, being really dominant. Maybe you just saw something there, and, and to the naked eye, maybe you're thinking, why is he just sitting there? Maybe it was just one of those things where, hey, you got to do it in his absolute best position. And Jack, that you know, isn't super efficient on the ground, maybe just feeling this is kind of the safe place. I'm not going to get overexposed. Um, and I get it. Like if you're doing it to hold position, cool. But they're better. It, it was a lot. I know. And then even the the coaches, you know, were letting them know, even if it wasn't close. I like the. The urgency that the coaches were telling him, hey, go out there and, and make it obvious. Put him out if you can. You may not be winning. I, you know, you, you might be down two rounds. I Maybe you split them, yeah. but there is a scenario here. And I think it's good to tell your fighter, hey, man, you might be losing. Like, I don't know. 
you know, it's close. You know, we don't know what the judge is going to do. Take it out of their hands. Go put this guy away. And when he started to let him fly, oh boy, that was fun. I mean, he was bing, 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 bop, boop, beep. <laughs> it was like a Mortal Kombat game, just ooh, 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 ten punch combo. When when Jack gets into a groove, like I'm telling oh my you, gosh, he should really flowing. change his name to something slick like Jackie Three Names, because like he's <laughs> he just that three piece baby in a soda, <laughs> like water. He just moves like an old style like New York boxer. I don't know. He looks like, like Does, the, man. the the movie boxer. You know, he's great. He's very fun to watch. Um, but he did look human, man. That was uh, that was a big test. He did look human. But hey, I give he him all props. He, he took that fight on five day notice as well. You know, he was supposed to fight what was it last week? So I mean, he's it's, been you scheduled know. to fight four different dudes in two months, bro. Come on, give uh, the kid a break to stay ready to be out here in the states for that long, away from your home base. You know, because he's from Australia. I mean, the kid's a savage. I, I give him props. And like you yeah. said, he looks like an old school boxer. The nose. The, the range, the kind of muscle muscle formation he has, man. The dude looks strong. He's mean. And, and again, this guy, Basel, man, he's no joke. I mean, I think he would be a good test for a lot of the guys in that division. He's got to work on his defense a little bit. But this was kind he's of game. like a, almost a secret. You know, I like, but who the fuck is this guy? Respect yeah, him. Because this guy? Where, where like a, almost guy? like a best-known secret. Yeah, everyone, all the yeah. UFC guys, oh, this guy's he's good. He gives people problems. Like, well, I, all of a sudden, no, he is. All of a sudden, So yeah, good signing, even you know? This guy. Um, yeah, good sign by UFC, but um, solid signing, especially on short notice. That being said, um, we got to jump into the next topic here. What's next for JDM? Jackie, three names. I honestly think this is a pretty easy one. Probably the easiest. What's next on the card? You reschedule him versus Sean Brady. There you go. Like that was the fight that was originally supposed to happen. Sean Brady unfortunately had to pull out. Um, let Sean heal up. Let Jackie heal up. And uh, Jack Della Maddalena versus Sean Brady could be a, either like a co-headliner for a fight night or it could be uh, like the opener for a really solid end-of-the-year pay-per-view. I love that. Absolutely love it. Yeah, get that one back on the books. Two great prospects, two guys that we were supposed to see clash. Does look like Maddalena did ask for uh, the UFC to rebook that in his post-fight conference. Doesn't know if he's willing to fight to Sydney. I know that card is coming up. Seems like a lot of the guys are obviously trying to get back on there if they can. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't have any updates here on Sean's health. I know he has been out, obviously missing the fight. Did Do you know exactly what it was? Oh, septic bursitis? What the heck is this? Yeah, he had he had uh, some kind of medical scare where he had to pull out. So Oh, geez. I, I would assume he's going to probably, it's going to be like a some kind of procedure, and then he'll be back in there in like six weeks. Okay. But it really okay. depends on the severity of different things. But again, so at least it's not like an injury back in there. Yeah. Yeah. It's not I like mean, a crazy that's promising. Injury, that's promising. Yeah. Outside of getting your immune system or getting your antibiotics, all that stuff. I mean, and maybe that does, you know, make you weak, make you kind of feel like, Hey, let me get back to hundred percent or close to there. And then let me get back into camp. Hopefully the stars align. Cause man, do we want to see that one? That was fun when we heard it. We were sad when it got ripped from us. Hey, and the potential still there. Saying there's too. a chance. Jack oh, asked yeah. for it he again. For it. He, yeah, he called for it again after the fight. He said he'd like to have it uh, happen in Australia, even though he doesn't know if his opponent would be willing to travel there. Uh, honestly, if Sean's willing to travel to Australia, that that could headline a fight night potentially in Australia. Um, yeah. That being said, if they're bringing the UFC brass all the way across the ocean, uh, they'll probably want to have that be like a, a big Australia card. Maybe have Volk on there. Maybe have Absolutely. Bobby Knuckles on there. And, Ooh. Get our boy Ty like Tuivasa back on there. Come oh on. My we got gosh. a bunch of boys oh. we need to get back on. Let's go. 
So many great fighters coming out of there. So many. So many. Um, yeah, man. I, I'm here for it. I'm here for it all day. That being said, moving into the next fight, Francisco Prado versus Atman Zaitar, a.k.a. Mr. Potato Head. <laughs> I'll, go ahead and, I'll go ahead and take the lead on this one. Wow. Just wow. Francisco Prado must be a dancer, Nano, because he, as they, as they say in the old song, he can mash potatoes. He can do the twist, and he did both on Saturday night. He hit the spinning back elbow, and he mashed the potato head himself uh, and then followed up with Donkey Kong-esque ground and pound to get the round one finish. Um, just honestly, a beautiful performance from start to finish. Francisco Prado, ladies and gentlemen, if you don't know, now you know. My goodness, this guy, 21-year-old phenom out here, man, does not look... I mean, he looks his age, but did not fight the way whatsoever. I did actually put a little comment, though. It's it's one of those things. He he does sort of fight his age because it's, it's an imaginative and fun and violent way to go out there and fight. Everything he was throwing, he had no idea. He looked poised. He looked sharp. Ottoman, you know, uh, looked tough at first. Uh, he ripped him with some big body shots early on, but man, those spinning elbows, just the variety, and then that lethal ground and pound, just straight nasty. Nothing but straight nastiness from this guy, Francisco Prado, man. Like you said, the dude was dancing out there, really impressed with his footwork, his his movement, everything with his hands. It just felt like I was watching a seasoned vet. And again, this guy's 21 years old. He looks strong. I mean, I was really impressed with the performance. It was a fun fight to watch. This Argentinian, man, if he continues to grow... With his youth, his explosiveness, um, he might be around for a while, man. Does need to develop on the ground a little bit and, and the jujitsu, I'm sure. I mean, we he's known to be a striker, and that's what we saw. He looks magnificent. Get that game well-rounded. But my goodness, let's get him back on a pay-per-view because he is fun. He is nothing but fireworks, this kid. Oh, man. Yeah, uh, honestly, it was, a, it was a really, really fun fight. Again, like... It doesn't even really matter what's next for him necessarily. I'm just ready to see him fight again because, damn, he's fun to watch. Um, Like you said, very, very stylistically fun. As you said, he fights his age very much so, and the fact that he's imaginative, he's unorthodox. uh, The spinning techniques are on, on, uh, on full display, and nobody's mad when they see a spinning technique like that land and knock somebody to their feet or knock somebody to their butt. Dude, just the way that he threw that spinning back elbow... So quick, out of nowhere, and again, when something like that hits, you can't help but be excited to see it, man. Um, Couldn't agree more. And at that age, like you're not throwing those kind of strikes with that kind of accuracy and that kind of power, unless I mean, maybe I mean you're growing up doing this. Maybe he is just that special. But that's what impressed me a lot. Again, his striking, the technique, the fundamentals. I mean, this kid at 21 years old. I mean, geez, I've barely able to you know drink a shot let alone uh i was barely able to do some muscle ups over here let alone be able to do something like that man craziness you ain't lying man um now what's next for francisco prado i'm gonna be a crazy dude here i'm gonna throw out some pretty big names um oh he just beat mr potato head uh Atomata zaitar who i thought was actually uh, an up-and-coming guy before the whole mix-up in abu dhabi which is why i gave him the nickname mr potato head um that being said Francisco Prado, I think a fight with Matt Frivola or Hinato Moicano actually makes a lot of sense for the young man. Um, wow. At, at the risk of pushing him too fast, too far, giving him a little bit of the Icarus effect and, and you know, pole vaulting him into the sun, burning his wings too fast. 
Mm -hmm. I I think that he would actually prove to be a tough test for either one of those guys simply because of his unorthodox style. Um, That being said, if he goes out there, fights somebody like a Matt Frivola, Matt Frivola is able to put it on him, pressurize him. And and, I mean, something that Matt, Matt Frivola does better than most is he weaponizes his cardio and weaponizes his grappling to an extent that most people aren't able to do. Um, if he was, if he'd be able to do something like that to Francisco Prado, I think it would be a win for both men. Obviously, beating an up and comer is going to be a good look for Matt Frivola, but getting beaten by somebody like Matt Frivola is something that only sharpens iron, in my opinion. He's going to make that young man come back ten times stronger. Um, intrigued to see if there's any names on the tip of your tongue for him. Man, I mean, you mentioned two great ones. Honestly, the thing that's hard with me here in this division at 155 is it's just so darn stacked. I mean, everyone talks about it. Well, I don't know if everyone does, but I feel like I hear it a lot. But this feels like for a long time, this has been the most stacked division for quite a while. Even a map for Vola, right? All these guys who are maybe right on the cusp of a, a top 15 or or just, you know, floating around there or household names. I, honestly, I think that's probably the, the way to go there. Like you said, a Matt Frivola, someone that's tough, someone that has the pedigree. Um, but man, I mean, there's just so many talented guys here, right? Like even outside of the top 15, so many good names. But love to see him back in. Anybody, another young guy, get throw him back in ASAP. Absolutely. You got to throw him back in ASAP. Um, God, dude. There's just so many different uh, people that I think he matches up really well against. And uh, yeah, yeah, the mustache is still on my face. It is. It is. I'm actually Love going it. back to the barber to get it like fresh, fresh trimmed uh, for Comic-Con, you know, Thursday. Oh, going to go full Ted Lasso on him. You know what I'm saying? Let's Down go. The dogs. Let's go. Saddle up. Just got to believe, baby. Um, Drew Dober is maybe someone now that I'm looking here oh, at the top uh, 25. Hey, Two young Red men. Rover, Red Rover. Send over Send on over. Over, right over. Let's go, dude. You love to see it. That's a good one. Um, I actually am not mad at that. Francisco Prado versus Drew Dober. Two very young men on the on the rise, battling it out for supremacy at the top or the or rather the bottom, beginning of the top 15 rankings. I'm all about it, man. Um, moving into the next one, we had Albert Duraev coming in against Jun Young Park. AKA the Iron Turtle. My guy. Um, the boy. Dude. What a name. At, the Iron Turtle. I mean, it, well, it I mean, didn't playing, make sense, but dude, then it made playing sense. Playing into the name. Playing into the name. The dude, he is an Iron Turtle. And, you know, <laughs> as they say in the Tortoise and the Hare, the tale of which slow and steady wins the race as it did on Saturday night, folks. He was patient. He was graceful. He was timed. He was poised. And, man. He, he was landing the bigger shots on the feet. He dropped his opponent and ultimately ended up getting the submission in the second round after, like I said, getting the better of him in the exchanges on the feet. Um, he still had to deal with a beautiful rear naked choke in the end. And he even hit a cute little dance to build up the fan appeal and base afterwards. Um, man, what, what did you think of that performance overall, Nano? Yeah, honestly, I thought it was a really fun fight. I mean, my first thought was, okay, the Iron Turtle, this guy looks like he's, you know, big legs. Yeah, I'm not sure how quick or fast he's going to move. Is he a turtle? Is he going to be shell-like? But no, I think it just meant that that dude was rock 
iron uh, <laughs> solid. The dude's built like a, a his skin and his whole body's built like a shell. That's how strong and durable this guy was. Because he was getting ripped to the body. He was taking some heavy shots early on. They both were throwing. And honestly, I felt they had some really good striking. Uh, for these two bigger gentlemen, I thought these guys were moving and dancing like they were some spring chicken out there, man. Uh, and then, yeah, like you said, the Iron Turtle was able, finally able to uh, put it on him, get him out of there. Uh, Dure, that is, his opponent. But that was a really fun fight. I thought it was a good test, but he showed that uh, Iron Turtle shell toughness there. And, uh, you know, just like those red shells in uh, Mario Kart, he found his way, locked on the target, but uh, it made it, made its way home. Hits every time. <laughs> A little bit of a heat seeker there in the, the heat seeker. <laughs> That's You'll right. Love to see it, man. It was beautiful. Um, all I got to say is I don't know who's next for him necessarily, but you got to give the Iron Turtle a ranked opponent. And if you're not giving him a ranked opponent, um, you know maybe I'm wrong here. Maybe this guy is actually ranked. Let me just double check here. He is not perfect. So if you're not going to give him a ranked opponent, uh, give him Gregory Robocop Rodriguez rematch. I was going to say, okay, okay. He's he's right outside of the top 15. He lost that match. You got to think he'd be he'd be wanting to get that one back. Gregory's coming off of a loss. Um fucking Z. Authentic Z in the chat uh just asked, "Olin, what's up with that upper lip bush? You water that?" Um, oh, nice. I do. I do. I actually put some miracle grow on it, my guy. Uh no. So the 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 real, the real thing behind that is I'm going to be Ted Lasso in a couple of days for San Diego Comic-Con. So, you know, just got to believe, baby. Just got to believe. Diamond Dog's going to win the whole Premier League. Shout. <laughs> uh, believe. So, jump, jumping back into that uh, that breakdown there. Albert Duraev versus Jun Young Park. Um, again, Gregory Robocop Rodriguez, man. I think that is the play. Did you have yeah. any names? Man, I mean, I was looking at uh, Iron Turtle's record here, and I mean, he has some impressive wins, you know, over an Eric Anders uh, back in 2022. I know, man. Eric, uh, Robocop, a loss to him, a loss to Fluffy, Anthony Hernandez, someone we've talked about before. So it, it feels like, you know, okay, I'm kind of understanding his his range here. Um, oh, man, it's tough. I'd, I'd have to think about it a little bit more. But with him just fighting here, I mean, you know, being from South Korea, it's not like that we're necessarily going to have a card out there. So it kind of just always boils down to, to timing, right? Who's going to be available? Um, and who's someone that, yeah, is, is maybe close to that top 15? We almost had to double check. Is, was he ranked or not? Because he's, I mean, he's talented, right? He's right on the cusp. I don't, I don't know, man. This is tough. There's, again, another stacked division. Uh, I'll have to ponder this one a little bit more. I don't know who's next for Iron Turtle. This guy looked tough out there, man. He did. He definitely did. Um, uh, either way, I'm definitely excited for his next bout. I, I've i I've been pretty high on this guy from the get-go, but this definitely made me even higher on him. Speaking of someone I'm high on, Norma Dumont coming in against Chelsea Chandler. Not Chelsea Handler, not the comedian. <laughs> um, nice. She's, she's a fighter. She started some rumors about Ronda Rousey coming back last week. Um but man, Norma Dumont, she had a crazy exchange with her. Um, there were some very odd uh, hostilities exchanged where Norma Dumont said in uh, Portuguese, I believe she said uh, something about a loose vagina face, um, is what she called Chelsea Chandler. It was very entertaining. If you haven't seen it, definitely check that out. I think it was on the UFC uh, main main things. 
main mm-hmm. uh, social media handles. Yep, Instagram or tw- uh, the Twitter. It was uh, all over the socials. It was hilarious. Uh, <laughs> that was fantastic. And, yeah, man. So Norma Dumont, she came out there and just hit her with like a three or four piece combo that I kid you not sent Chelsea Chandler sprinting in the opposite direction. If you have a younger sibling, it looks a lot like when you hit them too hard by accident and they run to tell your mom and you're chasing them like, no, don't tell mom. That's what the freeze frame looked like during the fight of Norma Dumont chasing a sprinting Chelsea Chandler. Um, Glorious stuff, man. Great memes. The internet is undefeated. The memes are going to continue like just for a long time from this. I might need to get in on it. It's fantastic. My gosh, my my mustache is going to be just the topic of conversation for the whole episode. That lip blanket is crazy, Sadovi said. You might my need guy. to give it around. Glad to see you in the chat. He's got a he's got its own personality. This guy, I love it. This this caterpillar, I can't get rid of it. You know, it's just it's just crawling across the upper lip. <laughs> That's hilarious. I love it. Yeah, man. What a fight. I mean, Norma, the immortal. She's a beast. She definitely. Uh, just went out there and outclassed a Chelsea Chandler, made her look like Chelsea Handler at times. And yeah, that that little <laughs> that little exchange there, her running away. I mean, it it felt like you know you're in high school, and you know when we were used to go to the uh, football camps over the summer, we'd all be you know a bunch of guys with testosterone teenagers, you know, hanging out in the dorms. So what else do you do? You bring some boxing gloves and you go to uh, <laughs> go to town on each other, and you make up little events. And uh, always was fun, but it felt like that was she was the one guy that maybe talked a lot before. Like, oh yeah, I'm you know I'm a I box all the time. You know, I'm pretty I have tough. Two hundred twenty-five yeah. street fights. Uh, yeah, two hundred twenty-one knockouts. You know, uh, <laughs> never been defeated. Broke some jaws, busted some eyeballs. You know, broke caps. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> then you know, uh, then as soon as he gets in there, he gets hit once. And he's like, oh god, okay, where's the door? Where's the door? Get out of here! Ooh, I don't like that. Oh no, <laughs> that hurt. <laughs> what do I do? Yeah, I mean, it's like just outclass was the word I had to say there. I mean, you know, she had her moments. Chelsea did. I mean, obviously the strikes. She she landed punches. It, you know, she was there. She made it to a decision. But after seeing that, you you just thinking, okay, she's yeah, maybe not ready. Only seven fights in the UFC. I don't know. I that's not a type of fighter I, I don't want to be coaching. Or at least maybe you're having second guesses. Like what what are we doing here? <laughs> I've never seen that before. There's, there's no tactics there. However, I, I gotta say, in her defense. She, she, I mean, she got rocked by that that last punch <sighs> that connected, and um, she somehow Maybe had the some wherewithal momentum. to turn around and run. And uh, I think that actually saved her, and the fight ended up going the distance. It was, I think she actually got a thirty twenty six in there from one of the judges, which was warranted because uh, it was domination from pillar to post. What I put in my notes is, I literally put it was domination from pillar to post, not overwhelmingly yeah. powerful speed or etc. It was just technical dominance from start to finish from Norman Dumont. Um, I just thought she looked better than her and a step ahead of her every single place that the fight went. And I'm excited to see what happens next. But that being said, like for each of these other fights we spoke about, we, we like to give like a, a what's next, but it's really hard to give what's next when there's not even a division. So these two women actually fought at featherweight this weekend. And uh, if you go to UFC.com, you look at the rankings for featherweight it's just Amanda Nunez's face. And she doesn't even fight anymore. <laughs> She's retired. <laughs> so, like, so that's like, oh, that's the end of this <laughs> division. TBD. So Chelsea Chandler is going to be going back to stand up. Or sorry, uh, <laughs> that's wrong Chelsea. Wrong Chelsea. 
Yeah, I mean, might as well be after that one. That was brutal. Um, Yeah, you you feel bad for Norma Dumont. I mean, she's 10 and 2 now. She's on a three fight win streak. Um, I mean, can I guess the question is can all these girls that are at 145, can they make 135? I don't want to make assumptions here. I mean, she's a big, like a strong girl, muscular, right? I mean, it's 10 pounds is is no joke here to try to cut. She's thick, dude. That's what I'm saying. Like, I mean, let's call it what it is. I think um, last time she fought at Bantamweight, to put it into perspective, was when she got her win, her first UFC win over Ashley Evans Smith back in 2020. That's a long time ago in fight years, folks. And um, I mean, that that 10 pound difference is a lot, especially when your entirety of your body weighs 145 pounds or 135 pounds. And I mean, and this is according to the experts here. Um, I'm going to quote Lauren Senko, you know analyst and professional one of my favorites but norma has a dump truck and what do you those do with are laura's words not ours <laughs> when you got the old dump truck what does thy do with thy dump truck i don't know that's tough so can't she can't she make it we'll have to see it's it's gonna be a tough <laughs> weight cut for her we're all here for it um if she makes it to bantamweight she could be a problem for those oh absolutely folks. she's tough she's, she's very strong. strong and she's very strong <laughs> well, and I'm actually looking now. She is already ranked. She's ranked 12th. So, I mean, I guess we're just going to assume 135, 145 is just just one uh, big, uh, you know, melting hog pot posh here. Or, yeah, yeah hogposh. Um, with that being said, I mean, man, after a Holly Holmes loss there, I mean, seeing her at five feels interesting. Holly Holmes versus Norma Dumont? Is that what you're trying to say? No, I was just going to say right below her, maybe someone like an Irina Aldana who just come off a loss to Amanda Nunes as well. But I mean, hey, throw her up there to uh, Irene. These I mean, she'll probably be willing to fight at 145, to be honest. I mean, she'd be willing to fight at 145, but if, if Norma Dumont could make 135, that's a compelling fight at 135. I mean, that number is a... versus number six... Yeah, I, I ran one on a, the up, one on the down. Honestly, that's not a bad fight to me. Yeah. Or, or Santos. Those, yeah, yeah. Ooh, I like Giannis Santos as well. That might Giannis be even Santos better. Santos is somebody that would definitely be willing to fight at 145 because she's a she's a larger 135er, and that cut's not fun for her. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, she she actually just fought. Ooh, a couple weeks ago, she's coming off a loss. She did lose to who is this gal, Mrs. Rosa? I don't know who that is, but just looking quickly here on. UFC. Car- Carol I can tell Rosa. You she lost to Carol Rosa, yeah. Carol, Carol Rosa. Rosa is uh, an absolute beast. Um, so that's tough. I mean, Carol Rosa, right before that fight, fun fact, lost to Norma Dumont. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, I'll tell you, man. I mean, there. <sighs> There's, there's again only so many names when you know you have a good performance like that. You're already itching in the top twelve. Misha Tate's here at 11. Is she going to fight again? Oh, I'd love man. to see her See, back I was in looking there. at that name, too, but I was just thinking, like, if she fights uh, again... Maybe her and Holly Holmes or someone. Yeah, that's no, what I was going to say. Yeah, I don't... I don't. doesn't feel right. feels like... I don't know. I just... I just, You haven't seen Misha. You don't know what to expect. Macy Chazen, she lost to... Or Chazen. Macy Chazen, man. Louisiana's own. Oh, here we go. Chazen. It's on. She's long. She hasn't fought a long she's time. She's strong, and she's down to get the friction on. No, that's a great song. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, Macy Chasson is a beast, though. She's she's very very lengthy. Uh, she utilizes her reach and range very very well. 
Uh, I think that'd actually be a fun matchup as well. There's a lot of different things you could do with Norman Dumont. It just really depends on what weight class you want to do it in. And if, if like, are we wasting our time here at 145? Is there going to be a belt? What's the reason? Like, no rankings, but Panny, huh? But Panny has I don't a, like, okay. So the Black Hato, sorry to cut you off. The Black Hato just said in the chat, Panny, I think, is the one. But Panny already has a fight. She's got a fight scheduled for this coming weekend. Um, she's Which I fighting guess against uh who did we just say that she's fighting phenomenal prelims yes which i mean i guess maybe yeah maybe you make a case i mean timing wise you know obviously norma just fought talking one week later here both bearing any injuries maybe they both line something up for the end of the year i'm not totally make a case for that yeah Yeah, for the winner winner, just like black auto said yeah i love that yeah not mad at that at all uh moving down the line honestly this next one was a crazy fight for as long as it lasted Nazim Sadikov versus Terrence McKinney. Um, And before we even get into the fight, I don't know if you folks know, but Nazim Sadikov actually, uh, quote, retweeted my tweet today. Sick. Sick. Um, and it's funny. It's a funny thing. So the, the tweet is, I screenshotted his page, his Twitter, and there's a guy that was faking him, like pretending to be him on Twitter and paying for the Twitter blue check. Um, so it looked like, He's the I real did. guy and the fake yeah. one is or like that. The real one is the fake one because he's not paying for Twitter blue. So homie has almost 10,000 followers, the fake one. And the real one has like 1500 followers. Uh, oh so, my so God. again, the power the of the blue one, check. The, I literally, that was my tweet. The power of the blue check, the power of Twitter blue. Uh, and, <laughs> um, and he was like tagging Terrence McKinney and getting like responses and stuff saying like, got your arm after the fight. And I'm like, no way this is him. uh, he tweeted and then one of his training partners tweeted and was like yeah that's not him bro like this is the actual nazim so oh my god i I posted it i tagged him in it and i was like he's gonna have to like change yeah do real nazim you know his last name i think he reported it because the the, uh, fake one actually got um banned today or or disabled today oh did it okay that's good you got enough eyeballs on all this retweeting a great question the blackado just posted up in the chat at what point do we automatically take points for fence grabs and make people lose position? Um, that's a fantastic question because there were a lot of fence grabs across the entirety of the card. And we're definitely going to talk about fence grabs tonight when we talk about the ultimate fighter episode. I have some notes about that one. Mm. Um, <clears throat> that being said, this fight was fun for as long as it lasted. Very, very back and forth battle. Um, what did you think of this fight? Yeah, I mean, as someone who, and maybe we both can attest here, is a fan of Terrence McKinney, someone we've seen in there for a long time, got that flash knockout, uh, what felt like recently, but that might have been a few months ago now, uh, maybe even last year, if I'm thinking, or earlier this year, uh, to to get another talented, young stud, this Black Wolf, 29-year-old Nazim, uh, fighting at a, a Camp Longo and Team Weidman there at their MMA training camp. You know, he's, you know, iron sharpens iron. I love that expression. And I think that's exactly what we've seen here with Nazim. Um, dude just looked a little bit better everywhere. Really sharp. And it just was kind of unfortunate that, you know, Terrence just it's another bad loss. You know, just not up to speed, not up to par, in my opinion. Um, but this Nazim guy's no joke, man. A nine and one, huh? What a dog. What did you he's think? Definitely a dog. He's definitely he's a, a dog. dog. He's a dog. Uh, that Nazim guy, he can bang, that's for sure. Uh, like I said, it was fun for as long as it lasted. Very back and forth battle. But in round two, Nazim gets it done. 
beautiful submission ape the what made the submission so special because i mean it's a rear naked choke rear naked chokes if i'm being completely honest in both brazilian jiu-jitsu and mixed martial arts they are a dime a dozen you see them very often just about every weekend if you see a submission if you see three submissions one out of three of them is probably going to be an rnc folks it's just how it crumbles but what made this one so beautiful and brilliant was he trapped terence mckinney's arm with his leg while sinking in the rear naked choke it was brilliantly sick it was so good and when you're able to do that, you're eliminating one of two possible opportunities of defense. If I take your arm and I'm choking you out, you're essentially done. You're cooked. And that's exactly what we saw happen with Nazim Zadikov. He um, he trapped the arm, took the neck, and uh, he made him pay for it. Again, get Nazim in front of someone who has a number in front of their name. The young man just went out there and dispatched Terrence McKinney with the quickness, folks. Um, again, it, it was solid. He, he got him in a minute and seven seconds into the second round. Really, really solid performance by him. Pretty back and forth for as long as it lasted. Uh, but again, Nazim looks, he looks really good, man. I'd like to see him get somebody solid at lightweight and see what happens. Um, lightweight is definitely killer's row. Uh, if Demir Ismogilov is still going to be a, a combatant in the UFC, maybe Demir Ismogilov makes a lot of sense. Jalen Turner coming off of a big defeat like the one he just came off of might actually make a lot of sense as well, but that might be biting off a little bit more than he can chew at this moment in his career. You have any names on the tip of your tongue, Nano? And what is up, Ash? Welcome to the chat, my friend. Glad to see Ash, you. Ash, what's going on? Um, you mentioned some good ones. Honestly, I think those are good names that you honestly just called out there. Uh, where did I just go? I just had it here. Um, to, in the meantime, in the while Nano's looking for his names here, uh, you guys make sure you check out Ash's podcast as well. He has a really great YouTube channel. It is the Against the Fence podcast. Great fan show. Let's go. Check what you it. got for us, Nano? Hey, what about a little KGD? If we want to crack him into the top 15 there, Grant, KGD Dawson. Coming off Man. a recent fight. That'd be crazy. That would be really crazy. Grant Dawson. Oof. That's fun. That's really I mean, that's fun, that's actually. a that's a big test for him. I don't know if Grant's maybe willing to fight someone unranked, but I mean with a nine and one record, again, fighting out of a strong camp, certainly make a case, man. Absolutely. I, I do think that'd be a really fun fight. That'd be a compelling fight. It would be uh pretty hard to get Grant Dawson to accept that fight, though. I think at this point where he's at the the body of work that he's put forth thus far you gotta think he's earned somebody in front of him again um but man if he's willing to take that fight i'm definitely willing to watch that fight as a fan i think that one would boil out to be real fun another young guy here that i'm seeing i don't think he has any fights coming up and last fought in march uh well no okay no ah i was gonna say just spit it out spit it out diego i I don't want to mess up the last name diego fajera Oh, Fajeda, yeah. Diego Fajeda would be a good matchup for him, actually. A little bit of an older um, guy, but as far in May, excuse me. Yeah. Um, but, you know, right outside that top 15. And he's, I was going to say, he's right outside of the top 15, and he's got a solid name, too. That's a good name. That's actually uh, who Dustin Poirier made his lightweight debut against uh, when he went up from featherweight after suffering the loss to Conor McGregor, what, eight or nine years ago now. Um, God, why do I know that? <laughs> I love that, man. Some things just stick, huh? <laughs> yeah, dude. 
Uh, I, just, I remember the combos he was landing, and I was like, oh my god, he should have been at lightweight forever. <laughs> right, right. You know, that's like one of those things, that, that aha moment, like, oh, this is his right. Yes. Like, fits like a perfect shoe. This was where he was meant to be. Because <laughs> Diego's, like, not a scrub by any means. Diego's no, an man. absolute beast of a human being mm. and, and a beast of a lightweight fighter. Uh, I, I think that'd be a good fight, actually. I think of all the names we've just kind of spat out, that's a really solid one. Um and I appreciate you in the chat, Ash. We are doing fantastic. We hope you're doing great. I'd imagine you're doing pretty damn well. Aren't you guys going to be uh, pretty close to the action there at UFC London? Ooh, uh, so, let's go. I mean, Enjoy that's, that, that's coming up here on Saturday, and I know you guys are a lot closer than we are. So I, I got to imagine, even if you're not going to make it there live, it's going to be a better night for you guys because isn't the fight card going to start at a more fun time for you guys to be able to, to watch it? <laughs> um, so, yeah. Good point. I, I won't drag you guys through all of the fights across the entirety of the card. Um, like I said, this last week's card was sneaky good. Uh, I, I will say, like I said, we're not going to come up with fights for every one of these guys. Tucker Lutz versus Melsic Bag- Bagdazarian. Fantastic fight. Melsic showed incredible improvements in the grappling realm against Tucker Lutz, being able to negate everything that he threw forth. And also just the striking in general was really on point for Melsic in that fight. Um, I don't I don't know if you have anything to add to that one, Nano. You hit the nail on the head. Honestly, I didn't get a chance to see a lot of the prelims, but um, just even looking at the strikes and kind of like you mentioned, I mean, that must have been a good one. I'm going to go back and watch it. Yeah, honestly, all these prelims I highly recommend. Like As a fight fan, I would say every single one of these delivered. The only one I would recommend maybe skipping would probably be Ashley Evan Smith versus Eileen Perez. Just watch the post fight for that one. The the twerking after the win was really nice. Uh, and it definitely caught the best translator in the business off guard because he uh, started speaking English instead of Brazilian. It was amazing. Um, or sorry, instead of Portuguese. It was honestly hilarious. But yeah, she dominated Ashley Evan Smith from pillar to post. And jumping into the next one, the next one was very unfortunate, very short finish. It was only 34 seconds into the very first round. Victoria... Dudakova was making her UFC debut. Um, she went out there and, I mean, she absolutely smashed, so to speak, because she went for a takedown. Uh, and as Estela Nunez backed out and tried to negate the takedown, she landed, went to post on one arm, and that arm inverted like uh, something you'd see in a sci-fi alien movie. The x-ray shows that it just snapped clean off the elbow. Disgusting stuff. Don't want to show you the replay. And uh, you definitely don't want to see it. So maybe skip that one too, Nano. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm a sicko. I might have to go back and watch that. I like that kind of stuff. <laughs> I've watched the replay about 62 times. <laughs> yeah, I'll be right there with you, brother. And every uh, time I gag, I'm like, why am I, do- why am I watching ooh, this? Ooh. Okay, one more um, time. Ooh. <laughs> one more time. Ooh. <laughs> 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 uh, <laughs> honestly, it's, it's horrible, bro. Um, quick, ho- hoping for a speedy recovery for Estela Nunez. Fantastic debut for Victoria Dudakova. Obviously not the victory that she was looking to achieve, but the O stays there. She is 7-0, and o, um, took zero damage in this fight. You got to think she's looking to get back into there for another strawweight bout as soon as possible. Um, weight cut willing, obviously. Now, this next fight is one that I actually am excited to talk a little bit about. Austin Lingo, again, no scrub, coming in against Melchizal Costa. Uh, Melky's Alcosta is uh, a very, very good fighter. He actually stepped up on short notice in his last fight to fight Tiago Moises, who most people are not chomping at the bit to fight. 
Um, and he got submitted by him in the second round, four minutes and five seconds in, after actually having a really solid fight. I mean, he went he went toe-to-toe with him, 22 against 23 strikes in favor of Costa, 45 to 43 strikes in favor of Moises in that, that first fight, but ultimately ended up getting subbed in the second round. Um, he got a little bit greedy, and that happens. It was his UFC debut. However, he had a full camp on this one, and boy, did it show. 108 total strikes to 39. You got to think Austin Lingo is going to be peeing blood today. Um, those body kicks, I wouldn't wish on my worst enemy. They were disgusting. And again, like I um, I got to think that realistically, Austin Lingo probably has the same doctor and or surgeon as James, a.k.a. Logan Wolverine Howlett. Uh, because the man is made of adamantium eating those body kicks like that, man. I don't know what else he has to be made of because I would have died, cried, and just curled up into a ball. It was disgusting, those leg, those those body kicks on display. Oh, man, just the sound of them. I mean, when you, when you, I mean, hearing it, I've never truly taken one like that, but I'm sure I would be crippled like a folded lawn chair by now if I have to want to do those. So I give him props. They're disgusting. Like you, you've you felt my body kicks through a kick shield. Yeah. L- let me tell and those you, stun you a little was, bit. There was no kick shield, and Costa is very, very strong featherweight, and he's in a lot better shape than your boy. Um, yeah, ferocious intentions with those. Bro, he yeah. was landing them with bad intentions. There was venom <laughs> on those kicks, man. Sheesh. Uh, Love it again. It was it was 108 strikes landed, a hundred of which were considered significant strikes. Oh my god! I'll let you do with that what you will. Okay. Um, <laughs> like the That's insane. He was just throwing nothing but heat. <laughs> Every single shot he was throwing, he was throwing to do maximum damage, bro. He was not he was not holding anything back. Uh, he was not pulling punches or kicks. Uh, that being said, Costa, good for you, man. I look forward to your next fight fantastic guy the brightly colored hair like he's he's gonna be a very fun person to watch and uh very skilled fighter 20 and 6 second fight in the ufc Hell 26 of a career years already. old yeah he's, he's young and he's already got 26 fights professionally um i look forward to his next one speaking of somebody i look forward to their next one we're gonna skip down a little bit here tyson nam came in against azat maxim um I actually had a little bit of a bet on the the first few early prelims here. I put one unit down to win, uh, what was it, six units, and that hit. Um, so, yeah, threw that down. Maxim was one of those on there. Alex Munoz was one of those on there. Eileen Perez was one of those on there. Uh, the list goes on. It was Costa and Evan Elder. I think it was a six six hit parlay. But either way, Man, Tyson Nam versus Azat Maxim. Azat Maxim is a young kid as well. The kid coming in, he is 16-0 and 0 coming into this fight, folks. And what did he do? He added another notch to the already impressive record. Now he's 17-0, and 0, and he added Tyson Nam to that, to that list of uh, long, long list of victims, right? The kid's nickname is Kazakh. He's, you guessed it, from Kazakhstan. Um, 28 years old. Born in 1995, man, that makes me feel old. Uh, The kid's an absolute beast. I look forward to seeing what's next for him. Honestly, at this weight class, the sky is the limit for him. 
And if I'm being completely honest, the fact that his debut in the UFC was against somebody like Tyson Nam, again, the sky is the limit for this guy. Like Tyson Nam is not super duper far out of the flyweight top 15. So you got to think this kid might get somebody like a David Brack in his second fight in the UFC. Ooh. And then right after that, he's right into the top 15 rankings. Yeah, you got to put him right in there, right? I mean, this 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 kid's no joke, right? He's he's still young, uh, but has a lot of fights under his belt. Six first round finishes. We got five knockouts, seven submissions. I mean, the dude can do it all. That tells me he can get it, the job done in a lot of different ways, right? Wherever the fight goes, he has an answer for you. And that is not somebody you want to be dancing with for 15 minutes. I'll tell you that much. No, sir. Uh, and, of course, the the doppelganger of Michael Chandler, Alex Munoz, came back after a lengthy layoff. Um, if you don't know who I'm talking about, go ahead and Google Alex Munoz. Looks just like Michael Chandler. It is honestly insane. Um, but we're on to you, Chandler. We get it, you know. Um, you know, McGregor's dicking you around, doesn't want to fight you, so you you couldn't wait. Made up a fake alias, got a handful of fights in under that fake alias, and uh, here you are. I, I, I will say, like, if you're going to put on the disguise, at least go to a different weight class. Like, we see through your disguise. You're still fighting at 155 and everything. Come on, Munoz. Munoz, my ass. Um, now, all jokes aside, Alex Munoz went out there and put it on Carl Deaton. Uh, even when Carl Deaton was doing well, he wasn't doing better than our boy Alex Munoz. He looked good out there, man. Um, a team alpha male guy putting all of his skills on display. Uh, again, definitely recommend going back and watching that fight if you didn't get a chance to see that one. Nano, fantastic back and forth battle with two guys that honestly just had a ton of heart. Absolutely. I love that. I will, man. I will. I mean, it felt like any a Rocky match. See. Ooh. Well, those are my favorite movies, man. So, absolutely. It definitely felt like Say a Rocky less. match. Uh, so. We will, we will stop dragging you through the mud with UFC Vegas 77 and move on to our segment of Tough Talk. So, time for some tough talk and some tough love, if I ever heard it, man. Um, first thing I want to point out, something that I noticed early on in the episode, and it, it carried on across the episode here, Nano. Something is obviously wrong with Conor McGregor's left shoulder, yeah? You, you Whoa, notice that? I did not. I'm trying so to think now. So there were now. at least three scenes not 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 in focus. They were in the background. If you pay attention to the backdrop, so he'd be talking and it would be focused on the fighter. But in the background, you'd see Connor's coach rubbing out and massaging and working out a certain spot in his left shoulder, his left trap. I don't know if he pulled something in his trap or his shoulder, but I saw it at least three times throughout the episode. Um, could be a sprained AC joint, could be a rotator cuff. It can, it could be a multitude yeah. of things. You know, I mean, Multiple the shoulder, things. the and back. The way that he utilizes that left. Now he, yeah. yeah, he relies on it and he cranks it. He did, he doesn't take any steam off of it, right? As a former pitcher, I mean, I know anything with the elbow, anything with the shoulder, the rotator, the AC joint. It could be the collarbone, kind of connecting there. And then it's a recurring thing, usually, man. Yep. Yeah, it can be a small little cut that just lingers, hurts even more, but you got to shut it down. And if he's... Fucking lingers. Linger, man. And if he's in there and, you know, under a 12-week show and can't really get out of it, he's, you know, put some icy hot, rub it out, and then do his little striking that he does or that he was able to show a little bit of there uh, during the episode this last time around. But, yeah, maybe that's why we haven't been seeing a lot of him. Maybe he has been nursing something and we just... I mean, maybe they're doing a good job of hiding it, but guys like uh, you here and I'm sure the Twitter MMA are probably on top of that, as always. I noticed um, it within like the first two minutes of the episode, whenever they first went to the gym scene, I was like, oh, something's wrong with the mm, shoulder. 
And then I seriously, like after that, I started paying attention, like looking for him in the background. I saw it two more times in the background, yeah. of the shoulder, just working him out while the and, other people were working with the fighters. That is interesting. I mean, in my one note, uh, outside of just some you know fun takeaways from the early on the episode, um, yeah, Rico really won me over early on. But I, I did feel like Connor. He, I, I put that he looked a bit different. You know, just not the same Connor that we're maybe used to seeing. I mean, granted, he's big right now. I don't know if that's part of it. He looked gassed. Like he, he just was extremely gassed when he was, he was throwing the punches. I mean, and it oh. wasn't a lot, but, you know, to throw a, a one-two, a one-two. And he was talking. Maybe that was part of it, but he definitely was gassed. I'm like, okay, look, you're look, look. Me so and Mary went to, Like, Mary went to her first Muay Thai class, and that class lasted an hour. And we were throwing, like, five five-shot combos. And after, like, 49 minutes, Mary was not as gassed as Conor McGregor was after throwing those combos. So, I mean, bro, like, yeah, the, the kids' cardio, a, something's wrong, man. I mean, we've taken a rumble boxing class, and the coach is up there with a mic, and he's throwing punches, and he's coaching us for an hour straight. I mean, I don't think Connor was sitting there doing takes for more than probably two minutes. That was a straight 30 second segment there. And yeah, he was already out of breath. I don't know, man. Yeah, it's just, he just, he looks a bit different. I mean, I, I did not notice the left shoulder. That's a great catch on, on your end. Um, but overall, I, I, I thought it was a fun episode. It was a very fun episode, and I will say, um, all all Connor trash talk aside, uh, Connor actually had his best coaching quote yet, in my opinion. He said, "Technique first, speed second, and then powers in the back pocket for you." Um, mm, and I, I love, love that. Like if you focus technique, and and I always tell people, especially when I'm like helping people learn new technique myself, um, if you if you work a new technique, you want to work it slow. You don't want to. Ah, Right, you want to throw it the right way, really slowly, and then after you get that technique down, then you can like add the speed to it. Once you have the right technique and you add speed to it, power is naturally there. Power translates through speed and technique. So that was a fantastic quote from Connor. Um, even though the advice was sound, though, again going back to what you were talking about, him working that that technique on the heavy bag or, or on the hanging bag rather, the teardrop bag, yeah. The teardrop bag, the technique being shown is similar to what he's been showing every single fighter for the last eight weeks. Load up, throw uppercuts and or hooks from the power hand. No real setup, no real build in, just power. Posture um, up, hold them there, hold them there, steady, steady. And then literally, it's like, what? You, you can't just sit there and do that. Yeah, that's not. Who's going to let you do that? <laughs> yeah. While you're sitting there, you just get. Punched in the face and kicked in the face and thrown around. <laughs> yeah, it just doesn't work like that, man. But yeah, honestly, I think works. telling a good, talented striker and Rico to calm down, to pick your shots, to be, um, you know, on the target and let the you know power follow all that stuff. That quote, everything, man, phenomenal. I mean, I think that was exactly what Rico, aka uh, Vinny from Jersey Shore, here uh, needed to hear. <laughs> Did he not look like Vinny, man? This guy. Phenomenal. And that's a compliment. I love Vinny. Definitely my favorite character. Uh, but the Boston Vinny's kid, man. fantastic. Wouldn't call him my favorite character from Jersey Shore, but um, yeah, that's, an, a, that's a bold D. choice. I, I I respect you. Are you a Polly D guy? Oh, always. I mean, that's All day. Dude, wait, Gab's Who here. are they? Well, hey, you're Polly D and I'm Vinny, baby. Gab's here. <sighs> We're the dynamic duo, baby. You know the vibes. Yeah, that's us. We the boys. Um, we the boys. So, we the boys. So yeah, I mean, he definitely looks like Vinny from from or sorry, um, yes, he looks like Vinny from Jersey Shore for sure, uh, for sure. 
And uh, I mean, you know, that I think, like you said, that was probably the best advice that Connor could have given him was telling him to slow down, take a deep breath and pick your shots. He's got a very unorthodox style of striking. And I think that that definitely played in his favor for this fight. Um, Hunter, I have to say, just kind of off topic here, has the most badass family of names I've ever heard. Yes. You got definitely. Hunter and his sons, Wilder and Wrecker. They seriously Wrecker. sound like uh, like the clone troopers from the Bad Batch. <laughs> like, honestly, Wrecker's just amazing sick. names. Yeah, um, phenomenal. Wrecker is literally the name of one of the clones from Batch 99, the Bad Batch. Like, Oh, that's sick. Come on. He's, he's like this big giant motherfucker. Like, yeah. Wrecker's just a dope name. Wilder that's is a dope, dope name. Fucking sick. Hunter is a dope name. Um, yeah, that's pretty cool. That being said... Uh, going back to the coaching, I think the the biggest difference that I noticed in this episode, and again, they actually showed a lot of coaching clips, which I love. It's my favorite things to see in this. And I, I actually am glad we're getting more of them later in the season because that's why we're watching. We're not watching to, to see Connor be Connor. We're not watching to see Chandler be Chandler. We're watching to see how their abilities translate into coaching and being good coaches. Now, the biggest difference I noticed in coaching is even though Conor McGregor gives good quotes and he actually does give some good advice, I will admit every time we see him working with his team and sparring, it's like, he's got a chip on his shoulder and something to prove. He can't check his ego at the door. And that's why he's constantly hurting his, his fighters today. For the first time we saw Chandler really rolling around and engaging with one of his fighters in grappling. And you could tell that he was going 20% and he wasn't trying to force advancements. He wasn't trying to force or muscle up on anything. Everything was clean, Prim, proper technique. He was just allowing his fighter to work, advance, and improve. And that's what a coach should do when you're doing grappling and or striking. Um, it, it, like me and you, like we've literally walked into your backyard and I know that you haven't like trained, trained. You've been in street fights. So have I, but I've also fucking trained at a, a formal gym for at least five, six years. So it's, it's different, right? And that's why like when we're flowing together, I'm a good partner, I'd like to think. And I'm not like fucking lighting you up. We're like, we're working like I'm throwing three, you're throwing three or and so on and so forth. So being able to see that with Michael Chandler, I feel like is a beautiful thing. And and I, I do feel like he's not only a great training partner, but he seems like he's a really great coach. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, he was textbook uh, sparring uh, partner kind of uh, approach there. I mean, everything he was doing, it was great. It was giving him some honest work, um, you know, and, and that's what's interesting, like. You know, I think of these fighters and, and, you know, yeah, different approaches from the coaches for sure. Connor, I mean, you're not seeing him grapple. You're not seeing him get down and dirty. You're seeing him just probably do what he feels he does best, which is really just striking, which is fine, I suppose. Um, but seeing Chandler, seeing Bader, even like give hit the fighter a little more confidence. Hey, when you do that and, and you know, get that reaction, you're going to see me do this and you go here or you could do this. Um, just all felt like so crucial to the game plan and, and things that they're going to be able to take with them forever in their fighting career. You know, those are good little tricks of the trade um, all around, man. I, and I don't know, maybe they're not showing a lot else. I mean, a lot of the montages with Rico, maybe because he is such a fun striker was just him kind of doing his fun little flowing on the bag, which again, caught my attention. I'm thinking he is pretty long, um, not as strong, not as fundamentally sound, and didn't have the wrestling that Hunter has. So definitely a lot of concerns going into it. But my thought was just like, man, this kid from Boston, like he has been in a lot of street fights, right? Like kind of a little bit more. He knows how to fight people in podcasts. He likes podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> and he's gotten. 
<laughs> I forgot. I forgot about the fucking cars and the cockies and that the old, that old conversation. You know, like uh, it's, uh, he was he was a lot. It was a lot of fun there. Honestly, uh, maybe want to just grow the mustache out. Maybe dye it a dark black. Like my coffee. Uh, you know. There you go. You're Free ready for it, brother. My place. <laughs> we we park cars and we and we fight people here in Boston. It's what we do. We fight and we, we park we, cars. We, we park and we fight. We, we fight park and we fight. We fight and we park cars. And if you take my parking spot, I'll fight you for it. I'll fight you in front of the park car. <laughs> I'm tearing the the fences of the other park cars. <laughs> where are my khakis? Where are my khakis? Khaki? Hey, where are my khakis? <laughs> Everybody see my khakis? I gotta move the car. <laughs> ah, I didn't say my khakis. I said my khakis. <laughs> all right. Oh my god. The, the entire East Coast fantastic. is dropping off now. They're like, all right, get yeah. these guys out of here. Like, Why? Well, I, I subscribed water. for two days. Why? <laughs> uh, but no, man, he, he earned my respect. I just thought this dude has a lot of moxie. I think some of that raw experience and some of the fun, creative striking that he was going to bring there was going to be his best chance. And oh boy, was it. Oh boy. Hey, sweet baby. I, I almost had the same reaction as Connor did. I kind of grabbed the table. Oh, geez. I'm out, baby. I am up and at him. Let's go. That, that was a was, bolt of energy, wasn't it? It was fantastic. I mean, before I jump into breaking down the fight and kind of how I, how I saw it playing out, um, two things about these fighters. Hunter Azur is very much someone who used to be a fighter and is now a well-rounded mixed martial artist. And Rico is very much the opposite. He's very young, and he's someone who's very much a young kid who is a fighter and full of heart and grit. But otherwise, he is a dense and durable and wily piece of metal just waiting to be molded and sharpened into something even more dangerous, folks. Um, jumping into the fight now. Round one, bad cut for Hunter right away. It appears as though it happened from a standing downward elbow thrown from Rico. Very slick from the clinch Dude, during that exchange. Those just, elbows were nasty, sharp. Bro, so much freaking violence behind him, man. They reminded me of, of John Jones. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, I don't know who else to think of. I thought of like a young John Jones, just vicious, unapologetic, oh, yeah. fast. I thought, whoa, this guy. I mean, nasty. they were hurting him. Yeah, I cut him right away. I thought this dude's built like razor blades. This guy, like or El Kukui. I was going to say, sliced him up like a young Tony Ferguson, man. Jeez. Um, After that, Hunter got top position. Made it look easy to get top position on the young man, though. That's going to be a problem moving forward for him. Um, The the way he got top position on on Rico, no joke, it looked like a hot knife cutting through warm temperature butter uh, or room temperature butter. Um, After that, there was some blatant cheating from Rico. Toes in the cage (sighs) three times, I counted. Oh, Uh, was it? Just under two minutes left. It happened again. He actually used it to sweep and get a full reversal on Hunter. After that, Hunter exerts more energy, still able to advance and get into a more dominant position. Before the round ends, a minute left, Rico attempts toes in the cage again. This time, Herb calls it out and catches it, makes the right call, um, stopping Rico from being able to advance position again via toes in the cage. Good call out by Herb Dean, but again, it did change the complexion to an extent, um, you know, it made uh, Hunter have to exert more energy to go for another takedown and control him. But either way, first round, in my opinion, goes to Hunter Azor, 10-9. Going into the second round, man, to start the round, Rico threw a very crazy looping uppercut and some other crazy angled shots, um, just shooting in and out. The way that he threw that looping uppercut, he was so outside of range he, do it, he did it the way that Conor McGregor used to do it when he first started at featherweight, 
And I remember seeing Connor do that and landed on his first like three opponents, I believe. And you can ask Drew this story. Like I literally watched tape on Connor over and over again, even though I hated him. And I'm like, why, why does he throw it like this? So weird. And um, I went to the gym and I worked that uppercut over and over again to find out why it's special and what, what it does. And it just opens up a shit ton of other shots from other angles. And it, it confuses your opponent, really. So it worked. It did exactly that. He saw that uppercut. And from there, his hands stayed a little bit lower in guard. And what happened? He got caught by a crazy overhand right after the guard was dropped. So beautiful work from Rico. I thought he did a fantastic job of setting everything up. That overhand right was followed up by a Dragon Ball Z Vegeta-like clasped double hand volleyball spike to a down Hunter Azor with all of his body weight, all of his might. I thought fucking Rico went Super Saiyan for a half second, man. It was wild. He was, was definitely back on the Boston streets terrific. there. He was back on the Boston streets, brother. He said, give me back my cockies. <laughs> give, give me my pocket spot. <laughs> give me the pocket. car. Is that your pocket? <laughs> he literally, he landed a pocked car on his oh, dome. Dude, he, he pocked him like a car. He pocked, he pocked him like a car. car on his dome. <laughs> dude, what a guy, man. Rico's an absolute savage. Yeah, I mean, I want to give him the benefit of the doubt going into it. He mentioned he was a karate guy. He mentioned being an all-around sports guy, being a street fighter. That was what I expected to see. Uh, but Hunter, I mean, a four-time state champion, lifelong wrestler, like he said, good athlete, getting his striking down, has the kickboxing gym. But we all knew that was going to be his path. And even when he did successfully get Rico to the ground, obviously, frankly, made it look pretty easy, which when you're a stronger guy with that kind of wrestling background, I wouldn't expect anything less. I don't care how long Rico wrestles. He can do it for the rest of his career. It's probably always going to happen that way, frankly. Um, but I do think because of the fear of the strikes and how much damage he was doing on bottom. I mean, some of those 12 to 6 or I just, I mean, whatever elbows they are on bottom there. Nasty. Everything he was throwing was intentful, was avoiding the strikes. I think he spit on him at one point and uh, the ref gave him a warning. He's like, oh, it's blood in my mouth. I'm like, well, he's bleeding all over me. It's like, oh, it's fair. He's like, all right, fair, fair. Uh, but man, you know, it was, uh, it was a fun back and forth first round. Definitely got to give it to Hunter. Um, and I don't know if you noticed too, uh, but Rico was definitely wobbly or like did not have his equilibrium when he got up. When he was walking back to the road. Uh, they kind of grabbed him. Oh, whoa, whoa, yeah. whoa, 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 come here, come here. Because <laughs> if he would have fallen, they would have stopped the fight. So, it, and I, I've never seen something like that happen. So that would have been crazy, right? So good save there. Honestly, <laughs> saved the whole fight, literally. That was, that, was a, that was a really big save for them. I actually, that's for sure something I noticed. I wasn't going to call that out. So good on you. Man, Tom. but yeah, no, I mean, because I was like, oh man, that's interesting. Um, but hey, man, this guy Rico. And one of the notes I put is both of these kids have a strong why. They have they have their families. They know what's at stake here. How deep can they dig? Rico was stumbling. He was fumbling. But boy, that kid has heart, man. He dug deeper than the uh, than Shia LaBeouf did in that movie. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, holes, baby. Holes, <laughs> uh, baby. But man, just I was I really impressed. Holes. <laughs> In different area codes. <laughs> Sorry, wrong song. Oh, I know. I was like, <laughs> I was like different holes, but uh, <laughs> I'm shy up of holes. Um, yeah, man. So, but no, uh, yeah, man. Great, great fight. Honestly, dude. The lay kick to debil- debilitate him there, and then the right overhand. I mean, just a work of art. I mean, honestly, I was surprised on how. I mean, I guess how 
how effective that was, how hard it landed. I mean, like you're saying, it, it he he has really great striking. It doesn't. It looks fluid. It looks effortless. It's the long. Entries, man. The entries are so effortless. The way Ugh. that he sets things up, it, it's brilliant. It is brilliant, truly. And he was hyping himself up too. I'm pretty sure earlier in the round, he earlier in that round, he said he's like, I'm a and knock your ass out and then he yep. and then I, and chandler as he's talking about it i'm sure they kind of lined it up but he's like something about the mindset right he's like something was off and hunter was fired up going into it i thought that's not good like i don't think that's a good sign him getting all aggressive once you smile boy you know be yep. happy whatever i'm like i don't that's not a good look for you like if yeah, you are the like, number one guy what's funny is it's like it's it wasn't a good look for him because it's hunter like Hunter doesn't. That's, that's, that's not, not, that's Hunter, not him. It's that's not his to fit him. Yeah. Like if it was Kurt Holabaugh doing that, you'd be like, he's fired up. He's, <laughs> yep, he's, he's ready. He's gonna, he's gonna take a life in there. He's snatching a soul. Like yeah. <laughs> but like but it's, just, was, it's, it's out of demeanor for Hunter, and yeah, it's like he was trying to find a way to get himself hyped up, and it's not where you want to be, man. Yeah. Not and where you want to be before the fight. Yeah, and Enrico again earned my respect there. But I mean, just that finishing sequence was wild. He knew what was at stake. He was wobbly. I mean, both men are tired. Both are bleeding. Both are again know what's on the line. But Rico was able to dig a little bit deeper, stunned him with that leg kick, came over the top right after, and then yeah, was sent him into an oblivion with the double RKO from the top rope, Donkey Kong style. That was absolutely incredible to see. Yeah, it was I mean, wild, bro. Oh my gosh. Wild. I mean, it felt like he's back in the Boston streets there, man. Again, looking fine over Pacas. But what a dog. I mean, what a dog. Holy cow. I mean, that is, he's the dog of the season to me. He was the biggest underdog on the season. No one gave him a chance. Their, their team was 0 7. I mean, there was, he, everything was against him, right? I mean, he knew. Everything. We all knew. But he found a way, dude. I, I mean, then the celebrating with the Irish whiskey, <laughs> the proper the proper way to celebrate. Uh, what a fun, what a fun 12. triumph. The improper 12. What they, a fun uh, what little was, uh, What was the line there. right after? Team here today, team gone tomorrow. Oh, well, what an exchange. I know that one hurt me a little bit. I thought, oh, Connor, come on. Why are you going to do that these guys pretty, like that? That was pretty nasty, bro. That, that was, was pretty tough, venomous. Bro. And, and <laughs> yeah. there's also just no reason. Like Michael Chandler actually posted tonight. He literally posted that clip. And he said, I can't imagine winning my first win of the season and then hopping into the cage and picking a fight with the opponent's team and stealing the person that actually won that win for me. Yeah. And that are like 7-0 and against your team. So it's like, that's not a good look. I literally put in my notes, like, after going 1-8, and eight, you'd think with that celebration that Connor was the one that almost hit the first sweep in tough history. <laughs> oh, there you go. It's <laughs> for mean, real. Like, yeah, you went 1-8, bro. Like, what are you, why are yeah. you like... Yeah, like why are, you, why are you like was, so hyped up, bro? Yeah, and Chandler was calm in there. I, I mean, I, I was hoping he would have like kind of put him in his place a little bit, but maybe he was letting oh, Roosevelt kind of have his Chandler moment. Chandler has but. held himself extremely well across this whole series. Yeah, I think he's just like I'm not. I'm not even going down this path. Like you're just that's just craziness. Or maybe you did. Maybe they cut it out. But that was definitely maybe, a fun exchange. Maybe. Apparently, there's they've cut out quite a bit from what we've heard. Um, and definitely fun seeing uh, the little behind the scenes, huh? Dana White there at the end. I love seeing that. I love the that way really that he does cool. the structuring of the fights and things like that. Um, I will say it's really tough to see a veteran like Hunter lose after having such a strong first round. Uh, it's really hard to see somebody that's that tough, that strong, and has had that that ongoing of a career break down like that into tears. Obviously, um, <sighs> yeah. But man. I will say, like having having those types of scenes is one of the reasons that this is the best sport in the world, in my humble opinion. Because it has the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. The ultimate highest of highs and lowest of lows, man. 
Dude, that's um, an absolute fact, brother. I mean, one it's man their has lives. To lose for one man to win, right? It's their, it's their lives. It's their livelihood. It's everything about them. Um, so tough to see. That being said, I'd like to take a couple minutes before we break here and uh, play play Sean Shelby slash Mick Maynard slash Dana White. Now that we know all of the winners for these brackets, I'd like to see how we how how you think these fights are going to end up. Not not playing out. We don't have to pick winners necessarily, but who do we think is going to end up going against each other? Because I think there's a lot of really interesting matchups to make here. Um, obviously, I think. Uh, do you, do you want to start or do you want me to start? Oh, I don't. We can go maybe uh, one by one, 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 or yeah. I'm trying right, to quickly so, pull up. I wish I would have took a picture of who was left, but I'm trying to quickly I, look. I got you. I'll link you here uh, in the studio. Cool. So. If you scroll all the way down, you'll see the bracket there. Um, so I'll okay, go ahead and lead yep. us out. I think the easiest one to make is going to come by way of the lightweight bracket. I think Jason Knight versus Kurt Holaba is is just, I mean, come on. Jason the Kid Knight, Hick Diaz, he's a Mississippi boy. And just like Kurt Holaba said, that's a, that's a rivalry that's been going on for years. Mississippi versus Louisiana, baby. He did war. say that, huh? He did say that. I love that. I don't love that match for Kurt Hullaba, Um, but I love the balls on that man. He's He's got a very large set to call out Jason Knight because Jason Knight's a stud. Um, yeah, dude. That's a fun fight, though. So I that's interesting because I thought they were promoting it. Oh, no, Roosevelt. I thought it was Roosevelt versus Austin that they were promoting on the episode, No. So these, if you're looking at the, if you're like saying that because of the way it's lined up here, this is just a rough lineup. This isn't how the fights are actually going to happen. Oh, okay, gotcha. Because that's how yeah. it kind of ended, right? I felt like I, the I last do, little. I would think that Roosevelt Roberts is probably going to fight Hubbard. Yeah, and that is a fun one. I mean, I guess obviously knowing that information, obviously we could kind of you we know bypass go that one. Yeah, but um. Jason Kurt. I mean, honestly, yeah, I think that's a fun one. Like you said, I mean, the rivalry is there. I think the winner of those two has a really good chance of, of winning it all. As much oh, as yeah. I like Roosevelt and Austin, I mean, they are. Um, I said, I said, episode one of this of us doing the Tough Talk podcast that I thought Kurt Hollibaugh might win the season. <laughs> yeah, I, dude, he's he's a scary guy. He's a scary guy. Yeah, has a lot of ways to win. Um, looks tough, and he's grizzled. I mean. I don't know. I mean, it's it is tough to see. He I mean, I wish we had more. Lee Hammond too, and then the way that he was able to come back after that—that's the reason I think he actually might be able to withstand the early storm from a Jason Knight and come back and mm-hmm. beat him in the second round. Get that sub. Uh, yeah, man. J- Jason Knight, he when he gets into a slugfest, he's willing to leave his neck on the line, and not a smart move. We're going against Kurt Holubaw. Um So who do you think? So now that we obviously have Kurt Holubaw versus Jason Knight, Austin Hubbard versus Roosevelt Roberts. Um, who do you think should be the the two people to face each other first in the bantamweight bracket? So we have Cody Gibson, we got Teamer Valiev, we got Brad Katona, and now Rico Disculio. Rico. So they all were making it seem like Tamur was the tougher guy. Well, Tamur Tamur is the guy that I think everybody just assumes is going to win. Is going to be he's one a of very the... grappling strong guy, and he he's, yeah. he's a guy. He's a dog. He's a dog. He's a, a dog. dog. Um, I'd love. I honestly, any of these matchups as I'm running them through my head here, like would be really fun. Rico versus Brad. I mean, that'd be a phenomenal one. 
but I, I think stylistically, Cody is probably the toughest, I think, to, to match up here. I mean, I think just because his body frame and and his durability. You think about his knee, too. He's, he's got that knee injury. His durability is a question. Yeah, that's what I mean, his durability is a huge question mark for anybody. I mean, if you put him in there against Rico, I mean, one of those late kicks is good night, end of season. Um, but I also, I also think that Rico is the best matchup for him. Because A, Rico doesn't know about the leg injury. And even that aside, Rico's the only one that's not going to shoot double legs after double legs on him. The other yeah. two guys are going to abuse the fuck out of the fact that they know he's on one leg. and Grab on that leg down. and never let it go. Yeah, that's a really good point. I think Those stylistically, yeah. Oblivion, man. Mm-hmm. I think I'm leaning that way. I think I'm leaning Cody, Rico. And then you, you, you put Tamor against Brad, two of the tougher guys, let them battle it out. And one of them goes to the finale and fights the other guy and probably takes it all as they probably should because two of the better guys. But that's a good, I think that makes the best for the matchmakers. And, and it sounds like they're trying to maybe reward or get the best finale matchups too. Right. That's something we have to think about here. Yeah. I think, I think they'd be smart to do Brad versus teamer first. So that way you get the two most grappling heavy guys out of there. Um, And then you end up with, likely a grappler versus striker finale. Um, because I think the, the teamer versus Brad Katana matchup, both guys are so grappling heavy. It would be almost like a, um, Cody, God, what was I going to say? Cody Garbrandt, Colby Covington versus Kamaru Usman fight. Mm. Where both guys Ooh. are such dominant grapplers that they just box with each other because they're like, all right, it's neutralized shoot is a bitch. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's neutralized. So, yeah. Like I like that neutralizes a lot. Each other. And then after that, then you get a, a true con- contest between um, either Rico, if he's able to pull it off, or Cody Gibson. And, and the best thing about that is if Cody Gibson is able to pull it off over Rico, then in the finale, you got to think this is pre-taped. They're pushing back the Conor McGregor versus Michael Chandler fight, so they probably will push back the finale sometime as well. Um, that that works in the favor of Cody Gibson. It's going to give him time to heal up that knee. Um at least take time off it, nurse it, get it back to at least 80% rather than probably what it's on now, which is closer to 40 or 50%. Like, yeah, tough with no time off. I mean, yeah, only the, only the man upstairs and, and Cody knows where he's at and what kind of shape he'll be in, but he knows what's at risk too. I mean, I think they told him like that. This cannot end well for you. It's a grade one tear right now. Right? So if, if he keeps going, then it could gradually just get worse and worse that's when you're going to need surgery. That's when you're going to have recurring injuries and things like that. But I mean, Hey, they, they chose the, the fight profession. I mean, that's some nicks and bruises. I, I actually loved Michael Chandler being such a good coach to him. He's like, I can't make the decision for you, but I can tell you like, this isn't your first injury. This is fighting. Yeah. Like, it, you know, five <laughs> years from now, 10 years from now, you, you know, might be the same thing. And, and if, if there's even more on the line, are you going to say no? Like probably not. So, we're probably gonna I mean, that's push the thing. Like, this. It, this is your shot to get back into the UFC for these guys. You're not going to get many shots like this. You got to think. So, what what are we doing? What are we doing here? <laughs> yeah, if it was completely um, torn, or you're going in there with no meniscus or something, okay, yeah, hey, let's like, let's not then, just like like we've seen that in previous seasons. I'll be honest with you. I mean, yeah, champs have done it, fighters have done it. People go in there and with injuries we don't know about till after, or may never find out about, but. It's uh, that's that's the that's the violent sport that we love to watch here that we cover. Man, it it truly is. It's like I said, highest of highs, lowest of lows. It's the the best sport in the world for that reason, man. 
It's the only sport in the world, unlike, you know, basketball, football, any other sport in the world, right? Oh. If, if you're 36 points down in a basketball game, there's no chance that with five seconds left, you're going to win the game. But in MMA, you can be four minutes and 58 seconds, or sorry, you can be 24 minutes and 58 seconds down in a fight. In those last two seconds, you can make everything fair. You can make everything oh. right in the world. You can write all your wrongs. That's the best, man. I do love that. So darn true. That quick overhand, baby. That's all it takes. Come on, um, now. All it takes is so how, MMA, and that's the most beautiful thing about it. Absolutely. So how's it going to work now? I know they kind of hinted a little contra- uh, controversy or some people mad about the coaching switches. <laughs> how much is it going to be still one? Because I guess it's 12, right? So it's going to be one more fight per episode still? Same same yeah. format? Okay. So it's going to be one more fight per episode. Um, I will be completely honest with you. This is the first time it's been this bad of, or, or one-sided of a season, so to speak. I hate that they're even teasing the idea that Conor McGregor will get the option of taking certain people onto his team. I think that's just hogwash. Um, you lost. You have one guy in the finale. You have one guy in the finale. That's it. Um, we've seen this happen before where you have multiple guys from the same team going against each other in the in the semifinals. And what tends to happen is if they, like typically these guys have more than one striking coach, more than one grappling coach, et cetera, on each team, right? If you typically resonate with Ryan Bader versus whoever the fuck else is the other grappling coach. You're going to ask Ryan Bader if he'll corner you or if he'll be on your side. And right. the head coach and Michael Chandler will be like, I can either step aside. I can oversee you both. I'm not going to oversee one person. That's typically how it's worked in the past. And I think that's the most neutral and best way to go about it. I, I don't think this whole like Connor's going to be your new coach boys. Like that's just stupid. It doesn't make any sense to me. You're giving him a handout because you feel bad for how bad he did and how poorly he performed as a coach this season. And also, you heard it in the preview. Like Jason Knight, some of these other fighters, they're literally saying like they will they will walk off, they will leave the show if they have to join Conor McGregor's team. Isn't that man? Honestly, I mean, the more I think about it, I think we kind of are just reiterating my point is that hey, like this we're talking about the UFC here. Like I get you know we made it a competition format. You know I, I get there's back and forth. I know we are technically competing against Team McGregor, but an individual sport here guys like let's not forget the fact like put the darn feelings aside i mean if that's what it takes i mean yeah like maybe you're not gonna favor after that exchange like if you're someone like roosevelt i'm probably like yeah like screw him i don't even know if i like trust him to coach me because he was just talking shit to me he wants kind of fight that's different but if it's just i mean i can see brad going over there he already trains with well, them I mean, honestly that's already there. he's uh, probably already signed up already has the red shirt uh, or the blue shirt. Um, he already has the, red shirt. <laughs> he already has the gear. He's already over there. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I guess I would look at it as just, it's an opportunity to learn more. Like, yeah, maybe he's not the best coach again. Yeah. Maybe if I'm Roosevelt, I would maybe have a little bit more of a reservation, but it's like at the end of the day, I mean, you got to have a coach, you know, even if it's not him, I mean, put cabin, I'll put someone in there that can corner me that can help me put together a game plan that can still do all these things. Right. If Chandler's not going to help, at all right or if it is i guess that stuff yeah I mean, again i'll reiterate the point i'll get coached by any legend of the sport if i was on connor's team i'd love to learn by michael if i was on michael's team dude rub shoulders with connor learn some new striking skills i mean sure why not you know because now the competition the team aspect's pretty much out of it i mean that's it's over now i mean at the you same can, time like if if i have a good coach that i've built a relationship with and michael chandler the last thing i want to do is fight against that team or or if I yeah. win, I'm going to feel conflicted because I'm getting a win for McGregor. 
Yeah. And that that's like rubbing salt in the wound that you didn't even know you had, you know? Like, there's just no reason for it. You're causing animosity for the sake to cause animosity, and you're giving somebody a handout for the sake of giving somebody a handout. Like, it just... Yeah. Like, what's, what's the ultimate point of doing it other than playing favoritism? Yeah, and and yeah, hey, and maybe their hands are tied, right? Like Dana said, this is a unique position. Not often is it so one-sided, um, but maybe they're factoring that in. Like it seems like lightweight might be good, right? If you don't match up Brad against Rico, you have two Connor guys there. Maybe they try to squeeze one more guy in, or I guess it'd have to be two, right? On the Bantams. Yeah, you'd have to have two. So, yeah, two. I mean, and that's where, yeah, if it's Jason Knight or one of those guys are just, you know, throwing a fit or just not willing. But I guess I wonder then, are there any other local coaches or anyone else you could try to bring in as kind of like a guest appearance? Tough on short notice. You don't have any rapport. I definitely get all that. I mean, oof, that's a tough spot to be in 100%. That's like, that's that's the thing. That's what makes it really hard, right? Like is. But, hey, I mean, maybe that's where you kind of have to like – step up in a way and say, okay, well, I mean, what are the steps that go into a camp? I mean, a lot of it, I mean, and again, it's not a full camp. We're talking, I guess, a week prep or once you find out who it is, Hey, maybe you throw on some tape. If you have it, you pretty much know who you've been grappling with, who you've been rolling with, whose people's strengths are. Um, I got to assume Chandler's maybe going to be some sort of like consultant, like a, a hands-off liaison or just, Hey, I've coached with all of you. Hey, this is your strengths. This is what I think you should do. Maybe, maybe he helps them both out in terms of the game plan or just being that kind of coach there, but isn't actually cornering them during the fight. Maybe I don't know. It's hard, but uh, you know, Chandler's going to want to help him out. You know, he's going to want to coach him up. I don't think like if I'm the coach, I don't think um even like injuries or whatever. It's like, if they've all been sharing a house crap, I think they all know if I'm not going to like tell someone, maybe you're injured, but I guess, how would you approach that? Right. Are you, are you going to, maybe you just, Hey, I'm not going to tell you, I'm just going to say what I think you should like focus on. Right. Maybe it's just, Hey, these are what I think, right. Game plan. You should build around yeah. versus, Hey, this is what your opponent's going to be bad at. That's what are your thoughts tough. there? I mean, it's, it's tough, right? Like it's, it's really tough. Like you said, I, I agree with everything you said, but I think it's tough. It's, <laughs> but like, it's you're, yeah, you're it's just tough you're, on this tough season. <laughs> it's tough on this tough season. There's tough things going on. A lot of tough love, a lot of tough talk, a lot of tough topics. Um, and, and, you know, just tough decisions, man, for sure. A lot of, a lot of toughness, man. Honestly, it's just not fair for the fighters. In my opinion, I, I feel like the, the only people that are really suffering here are the fighters. Conor McGregor's made enough money in his entirety to, to never have to worry about this. And he could sell off into the sunset and, as long as he puts his ego aside, this isn't an issue for him. But they don't want him to look that bad. They can't have him look that bad. Um, and, you know, that's that's okay. Like, they want to make sure they're protecting their golden boy to an extent. They want to make sure that he's getting the rub, getting the shine that he should. And if they can convince some of the fighters to go to his side, why not? It, it makes for a more compelling show, I guess, to have two coaches coaching against each other. That being said, like, I don't think they should have to wear Team McGregor jerseys. I don't think they should have to be considered Team McGregor. I think right. they should still all be considered Team Chandler, even if they're training with Team McGregor for a week or two for before their fight, whatever the case may be. Um, yeah, like I mentioned, we'll you can make a case the, the the competition part of the team aspects really over. I mean, once you get into tournament play, I mean, 
it's not like there's a guarantee that it was four and four. It was really just however it ranked out. That was kind of the whole point of the competitions and things like that. Um, which I just realized, I don't think they really did any uh, competitions throughout the season. You know how some of the ones oh, they passed. They the coaches challenge. Yeah, no coaches challenges, right? Or am I tripping? They must, they must be saving that for the season finale or the like the episode before the season finale. Have they stopped doing that though? Like now I'm thinking, like, did Juliana Pena and Amanda Nunes have the only season of the Ultimate Fighter I I didn't watch? Literally the only season of the Ultimate Fighter I didn't watch was the Juliana Pena one. Um I'm curious now, but yeah, I haven't seen any. That, that's a unpleasant surprise as I'm thinking about it. But maybe they didn't need it. I mean, I guess based on the format of the show, it being prospects versus vets and having the rankings, maybe they just didn't need to do the challenge and you get to pick the next fight. Right. Cause I guess it maybe yeah. depends on the format. Yeah. We'd like to see it though. We'd love to see them. I don't know, get dressed up, ride a unicycle or get the big, um, floatable, or I don't know, like, um, Sockham robots or something. Okay. So I'm, I'm looking it up. Episode nine of last season was the coach's challenge. They had an ax throwing competition consisting of five rounds. Amanda Nunez was beating Juliana Pena by the score of 24 to 10 in round five. So Pena needed three straight bullseyes to win and could not do it. Nunez won the $10,000 coach's prize and each person on her team won $1,500 as a, as a uh, winning. So, I mean, they apparently what do we... still do the coach's challenge. Just not Connor. <laughs> I mean, we'll see. He's done the other one when him and your I did it. They did. They dropped the watermelon out of a, a helicopter and like the closest yeah, one of the say, target. I know they. I know they did it before. Um, so I mean, again, I would imagine they're going to do it this season. I hope they do. If we could get enough, uh, if we could get enough momentum, maybe get a petition or something started. Start tweeting them. Uh, everybody, if you're in here, but let I mean, let us know if you even care about that at all. Personally, I, I used to I, like I those challenges. Kind of yeah, I mean, it makes it a little fun, breaks it up a little bit. Why I was not? Mary, like there was a, and this is like 20 years ago, gonna date me a little bit here, but um, they <laughs> like I think it was Oscar De La Hoya that did a show with like Fox, where it was basically like Ultimate Fighter meets MTV's The Challenge, and it was they, they had all these amateur boxers that were trying to make it into like Top Rank or something or Golden Boy, whatever the whatever the boxing uh, thing was, WBC. Um, and basically they had these like 20 guys, they live together, but instead of just boxing each other, like they do in the ultimate fighter or fighting each other, they would have to do challenges and the challenges were dope. So like one of the challenges that stuck out in my mind and the reason it came up in conversation today is because like we were talking about how hard it is just to hold your hands and guard during certain things. Like your hands get so tired and they just start naturally dropping. <laughs> yeah. So for one of these challenges, Oscar De La Hoya basically gave them boxing gloves that were two pounds weighted. And they had laser pointers attached to the, to each glove. And they had a painted line on the wall. And each oh. person had to keep the lasers pointed above the line. And last man standing wins the challenge. And one of the guys was there for like three hours. Just, oh, oh That dude must have some rock solid shoulders. Bro, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> like, so like, those are fucking cool challenges. I love that's seeing cool. stuff like that. Like, yeah. you're seeing people's grit. You're seeing their will. And like. It's not just, oh, well, here's a striker versus grappler matchup. The grappler's probably going to wrestle fuck him or get caught by a crazy haymaker. You get to see, like, kind of these guys test their 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 will and their strength and their metal in different ways. It's fun. Absolutely, yeah. You get to see these top elite athletes doing tasks or challenges or things that maybe they're not used to or maybe the things they are good at. Um, you can see how truly athletic they are. But I'm looking here now at um, some of the top 
uh, challenges, I guess, ever. There's like a ranking here on UFC. They have it ranked. But the Uriah Faber for Dominic Cruz, the Marine Corps challenge was the number one rated one. That's a fun one. That's a solid one. Demolition Derby. Oh, man. How do you not like that? Ross Pearson for George Soderopoulos. Oh, you know that one. That's an older one. There you go. John Jones, dig it. Versus uh, Chael Sonnen. Okay. Dude, so I, uh, I said that this show was about 20 years ago. It was uh, 18 years ago. Uh, oh, shoot. The boxing show. It was called The Contender. And uh, nice. it also had Sylvester Stallone and Sugar Ray Leonard on it. Ooh. Wow. Sugar Ray. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. Dodgeball, Chuck Liddell versus Tito Ortiz. Horse, Ooh. basketball, Quinn Jackson versus Forrest Griffin. See, there's some fun ones. Bowling, Matt like Hughes versus fun, Macera, dude. John Jones, Cheryl Sonnen. Like, any of those. I sign me up for Which any of that. Which one was the John Jones, Cheryl Sonnen one? Bowling. Okay. And then they also did uh, the dunking. It, it says. The dunk tape competition was fun, too. They did that with, um, it was Joanna Janczajczyk against, um, God, what's her name? She's super cute. Um. Not the grows. Uh, Anna Yanchechik versus. Oh, Claudia Gadelia. Team Claudia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Miss Mary. Most of us weren't alive back then. You're aging yourself. <laughs> yeah, guys, go back and watch The Contender. It was a great series. <laughs> um, one of the presenters one season was Tony Danza. Not sure why. There you go. Fun facts. Um, yeah. Oh, dude, That's the it. irony of the fact that Tony Danza was the presenter on season four and the person that won was nicknamed the boss. Tony Danza, who's the boss? Like the irony of that is just fucking amazing. Who's the boss? That is funny. Troy the boss Rouse. The boss. Who's the boss? The boss Rouse, baby. That's a good one. Now I'm one. like wondering, hmm, I wonder if anybody actually uh, like is a badass boxer that made it out of this show. Maybe. I mean, I'm sure they had to have trained or something. Or Shane Mosley Jr. was on the show for the last season. Interesting. Oh, his son? Nice. Yeah. Shane Mosley's son, I mean. Oh. Yeah. Honestly, dude, like, I, I love, Mosley I love, you know, I'm a big reality TV show. So you add combat sports to reality TV and uh, sign me up. up. Sign me up. Hell yeah. I'm in. Uh, so go. that being said, even though we got San Diego Comic-Con coming up on Thursday, I will be back here, same time, same place, back in your homes, back in your hearts, and back on your little phone screens or your big screen TV, wherever you like to enjoy the podcast live. Um, and we will be going over this next UFC card. It's actually a low-key banger, guys. It is UFC London. We got Tommy Aspinall coming back after a little bit of a layoff here. Coming in against Marcin Tibura. And man, how about him speaking Marcin's language to him? Did not see that coming. Oh, let's go, Tom. Yeah, he um, walked up to him and he was like, "Oh, you've lost weight, huh? You've been training." I was like, "What the hell is he speaking Polish to Marcin Tibura right now?" Oh yeah, what? And even Tibura was like looking at him like, "What the? What? What? Are you speaking my language, Marcin?" Interesting. Love that man, Tom Aspinall. Never ceases to amaze. Love to see him back in there. Gruesome injury. Devastating, but he's got he's got his work cut out for him, man. Can't wait to dive into it with you on Thursday. He does after Comic Con too? Can we hear about that too, Ooh, brother? Yes, Some sir. Good highlights. This will be a big day. Let's go. It's gonna be a good time, man. And then uh, coming in at the co-main event, we have Nathaniel Wood versus Andre Feely. I know if you're looking on Google, you're like, but wait, Olin, that's not the co-main event. The co-main event is Molly McCann versus Julia Storyorenko. 
that's just not going to happen, guys. Uh, Julia Stolyarenko is not going to make flyweight. If she uh -oh. does, um, I will do a double shot on on the Tuesday episode next week. Don't you put that evil on me? <laughs> I'm, I'm just telling you straight up. Like I don't think she makes weight. There's just no chance. Uh, and if she does, it'll be an easy win for Molly McCann, in my opinion. And then you know, we, that Nathaniel Wood versus Andre Philly fight should actually be the co-main event. It. The only reason it's not is because Molly McCann's riding that popularity wave. The most interesting fight on here, though, low key, is Paul Craig going down to middleweight and fighting Andre Muniz. He's going down. It's a middleweight fight. It's a middleweight wow. belt. It's an interesting belt. Paul Craig. Paul, Paul Craig. What a guy. You. What a Coming legend. down to middleweight. That's um, scary. That is a scary sight for middleweight. I'll tell you that much. Let me some Paul Craig. Honestly, dude, Paul Craig. Paul effing Craig. Middleweight He's, Paul Craig. Middleweight Paul Craig might be a, a meme fighter if he ends up being good, dude. Like, might be like someone we're we'll talking about here. Ooh. <laughs> oh, there Another go. name on the card that you might not know. He might not be a household name for you, but he fights every single time the UFC goes to London, and he has arguably one of the funnest nicknames to say. You know I'm talking about Jai Herbert, the black country banger. Um, the black country banger, folks. I'll say it a third time. The black country banger, Jai Herbert, fighting out of Wolverhampton, West Midlands, England. Um, he's coming against Faras Zayam. You might know him uh, as the smile killer. He is uh, a young man with a lot of talent, up and coming. And, man... Jai the Black Country Banger Herbert has his work cut out for him there. We're going to go over all those fights and more. There's actually a lot of bangers on this card. Again, it is sneaky, sneaky good. Mark the Acacia on there. Davy Grant, the body snatcher. Um, oh, there's some good nicknames, dude, but I'll I'm have to say you. that takes the bronze. I think uh, Black Country Banger is definitely the silver. But Andre Touchy Feely, I mean that's Touchy Feely baby, Touchy Feely, that's the best name in the biz. That is the best. That is the bees knees, brother. Touchy Feely. Can't talk about nicknames without getting a little Touchy Feely. Touchy Feely now. Don't get no better than Touchy Feely now. So I mean, yeah, come on, Andre Touchy Feely, still, still to date, one of the like funnier little one-liner moments I've ever had when I first met a fighter. Walked up to him. I was wearing this like super dope flash jacket that Mary got me from Universal Studios. Nice. And um, walked up and I was like, Andre. And he's like, sup, dude. And I'm all, I like, I love your fucking fights. And he's like, I love your fucking jacket, bro. That's sick. And I was like, cool. Can I get a picture? Oh, <laughs> oh you're um, sick. Yeah. And he's you all big? pointing to the fucking flash logo. Like, yeah, Less. Sick. Safe um, to say he uh, got a touchy feely of the uh, jacket feely. there. <laughs> he got a little feely of the touchy. Dude. That that was a great night. UFC Sacramento. Oh, first time uh, ever being cage side. It was a beautiful. If they ever night. go back to Sacramento, man, I'm gonna be there again. Bro, that was your favorite card, know. right? I'm pretty sure I was, it was there. The brother. We talked card. about this. Yeah, yep. we talked about this. Let's go. Let's go. Came full uh, circle, so, baby. Dude, came full circle. We didn't know each other then, but goddamn, we know each other now, and uh, we will know each other until the end of time, my friend. Damn straight. So. As always, glad to have all you folks here. We appreciate you turning out, turning up, and uh, we hope to see you all here again, same time, same place on Thursday. We'll be going over the next card, UFC London, going over our picks, our best bets, who we think is going to win, why we think they're going to win, and how we think these fights are going to play out. So until then, folks, as always, have a great day, have a great night, have a great week. And keep the passion for mixed martial arts alive. And we will see you next time, folks. <laughs> <laughs>